Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord praise in this house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and bless the Lord if you agree that God is doing a great work in you. Hallelujah. You don't have to see it. You don't even have to know it. You just got to believe that God is doing a great work in you. This is about God. It's not about us. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God is doing a great work in me. You know, the wonderful thing about God doing his work and we're not really seeing what God is doing in us is that it keeps us humble. We can't ever get to the place where we're all about us and we think that we're all of that in a bag of chips and Oreo cookies too. Amen. (laughs) Amen. God is doing a great work. Hallelujah. It's the fruit of the labor that's so important. It's the harvest when you're, when you're growing crops. And, and, and if you know anything about gardening, sometimes it gets dry. Sometimes the sun shines. Sometimes there's no rain. You know, but, but there's a way to keep it going. And at the end, it's the harvest that really counts. Hallelujah. Thank God for his work in us. His work in us. We have slipped so deeply into a works-based faith that many times we don't see the grace of God, the favor of God in our lives because we feel like that we have to be a certain way for God to bless us and use us when we have to realize that we're only saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your grace. God's grace is sufficient for us. In our weaknesses, his strength is shown perfect. Hallelujah. Anybody weak this morning? Anybody feeling weak this morning? It may not be physical weakness. It might be spiritual weakness. But in your weakness, God's strength is made perfect. Hallelujah. I thank God that I am not a perfect man, but my perfection comes in my faith in the Lord who looks beyond all of my faults and sees and meets my needs. Hallelujah. Oh, God, minister to somebody this morning. Hallelujah. Somebody watching online needs to know that in your weakness, God's strength is made perfect. Hallelujah. Don't feel like God can't use you. If God could use Peter, he can use you. Mm, Lord God, if God could use Jonah, he can use you. Uh, You might feel like you're running from the Lord, but the Lord will rest you and he still uses you. All you got to do is read the Bible and understand God shows you his grace and he shows you his favor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Our word this morning is coming from the book of Acts, chapter 1. We're going to read again verses 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the benefits of waiting. The benefits of waiting. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. And you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us this morning. Thank you for what your word is going to do in our lives as we learn the benefits of waiting. Father, thank you 
that in my weakness, your strength is made perfect. So show yourself strong this morning as your word goes forth in the power of your spirit. I pray for a fresh anointing, even now, to minister this word with clarity, with conviction. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. The benefits of waiting. Benefits of waiting. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I've been doing some devotions on waiting. And as we think about Pentecost, the day uh, Pentecost Sunday is the first Sunday in June, I believe. So we're in this period from the resurrection up to Pentecost. And as you look at and study this time, it's a time of waiting, a time of waiting. So the Lord has been just speaking to me and ministering to me about the benefits of waiting, the benefits of waiting. Uh, in this particular, in this, in this book, in this chapter, verse 4 speaks of one occasion when the resurrected or the risen Christ appeared to his disciples. The Bible says that he had, uh, he said to have been eating with them. This is after Jesus' death, after his resurrection. Uh, he is eating with his disciples. And the Bible says, uh, <clears throat> Luke is, is, is faithful to record that after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Many convincing proofs that he was alive. And one of them was he's here eating with them. Sitting down, eating with, with them. One of the convincing proofs, if you don't believe, and prayerfully I'm not talking to anybody this morning, uh, but if you don't believe in the, that Jesus was physically resurrected from the dead, the Bible says that he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Not just a spirit, okay, but physically. And children's church is open uh, if you want to take your grandson to children's church, um, but it's open. So on this occasion, Jesus reiterates the command that he had given to his disciples to remain in Jerusalem and wait for the gift of the Father. Now, reading that, the way it's written in the English doesn't necessarily give the real sense of what Jesus is saying. Uh, the Greek construction makes Jesus' command clearer and more precise because it can be rendered quite literally, stop departing from Jerusalem. Stop departing from Jerusalem, implying that at this point, the disciples had been going in and out of the holy city. And that was not Jesus' instructions. If you look at Luke 24, he says, in the, in the King James, he said, tarry in Jerusalem. Okay? Tarrying means that you're there. You're sitting there. We learned growing up, uh, well, at least in the holiness church, tarrying for the Holy Spirit. Because, of course, you know, you, we don't really have to tarry, you know, when you understand the scripture. But we, we understand tarrying. Tarrying, you go there and you stay there and you pray and you wait until something happens. But apparently his disciples have been going in and out of the holy city. Whatever they were going in and out for, and we don't know what that was, but he says that they are to stop going in and out or stop departing from Jerusalem and to stay there and wait for the Father's promise. And it had already been introduced to them in, 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 in Luke chapter 24, that Jesus said that, that they were to wait for the promise of the Father. He said that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, on the day of Pentecost. They were to wait. They were to wait. They were to stay there in the Holy City. Now, now thinking about our human minds, our human minds will begin to run and say, well, he said, wait, and Pentecost is going to come on a certain day so I can do what I need to do until Pentecost comes. 
And that's what a human mind thinks, you know. Uh, even people today who are not accustomed to waiting. And this is why this time of year is so important and the message of waiting is so important because we don't like to wait. The sense of this waiting is that they have been, uh, they have been given a promised gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit from God, and they must give attention to that promise. Okay, that's the sense of this waiting, that they need to give attention to that promise. And you don't give good attention to that promise when you're preoccupied with other things. You can easily be distracted when you are preoccupied with other things. When you allow other things to enter in, and when you allow other things to take your attention away from what your attention is supposed to be on, you can easily be distracted. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, they can't be all over the place. This is what Jesus is saying to them. You are to stop going in and out of Jerusalem. Stop being all over the place. You know, we live in a day when people like to multitask, you know. <laughs> but I, I, many times I wonder how effective we can be if we are multitasking because you're going to miss something along the way. You have to stay focused. Can somebody say stay focused? Yeah, so they couldn't be all over the place. They couldn't be going here and there. They couldn't be taking care of what might have seemed to be important to them. And that's another point. What is important to you is not what's always important to God. What's important to God, you feel like, okay, I can do this, I can do that, you know, while I also take care of the things of God. No, 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 no. The Lord was very specific with his instructions do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem. Or again, as the, as the Greek construction says, stop going in and out from Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. Wait there in Jerusalem. He was very specific about his instructions. What makes us think that when God is specific about something that we can, we can, we can, we can make it unspecific? What makes us think when God is specific about something and has given specific instruction in the word about something that we can choose to do it our own way and is still acceptable to God? I wonder what makes us think that way. Could it be that we think that we're really the ones that are in control, that we have the concept that we're our own God, or is it that we're just taking advantage of God's grace? Yeah. These instructions can really speak to us today when it comes to waiting because of the trend of our society and especially the trend of not just this, this, young, this well, I'll say the generations that have come from the 70s and 80s up until now. We live in a microwave society. You can cook a meal in a matter of minutes. And for those who don't cook in the microwave, you can warm up food in a matter of minutes. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we can get what we want almost immediately. It's all, it's, you know, you get your dream car, it's just a matter of signing up for debt. Get the house you want, it's just a matter of signing up for debt. You know, of course, there are some little, little things that have to happen along the way, but we see how fast things can come in this society that we live in today. We carry cell phones and are able to get people almost instantly. No more waiting until we get home to use the phone or waiting until you get to the office or finding a pay phone. We, our, our cell phones have become a part of our lives and we carry them with us. Many of us sleep with our cell phones by the bed at night and don't turn off the notifications. <laughs> no. No, no more waiting. <laughs> Emailing, texting, Facebook Messenger have all made life easier or simpler, it seems. Technology has definitely improved life in a lot of ways. However, we have lost the art of waiting. Waiting. Something that's very important to life and living. Does it seem like that life is just speeding by you? I mean, here it is already 
the third Sunday in May. It seems like January was just yesterday. It seems like life is just going by so fast. Is it because we've lost the art of waiting? We talk about how fast life goes, but we don't do anything to try to slow it down. We don't. We don't drive 55 anymore. We see, we see the speed limit sign and we push it to the limit. And I, yeah, I'm guilty. Man, when I'm on the interstate, I know that they will give you a 10-mile grace period and I set my, I set my um, cruise control at 79. And then we talk about life is going by so fast. But we get in this pace, we get in this, in this race, and we have, because we have lost the art of waiting. All of us have microwaves in our homes, and we use them all of the time until something happens that we realize we don't need to be using this. Air fryers have become the big thing, and we talk about how good chicken tastes in the air fryer. It doesn't have all of that grease, but it happens. Yeah, yeah. We've lost the art of waiting. All of these things are good. They are good. But it's taken something away from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, 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 uh, this, 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 this passage of scripture, this time of year, if we focus in on it, helps us focus in on waiting. Because we've been programmed to act. We've been programmed to move. We've been programmed to decide many times without giving much thought to the decisions or to the actions that we take. And we raise our children that way. We raise our children that way. I enjoy conversations with some parents and, 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 and you know, who were raised by older people who, who knew the importance of, of waiting, who don't give their children everything that they want when they want it. Who teach their children to sit down in church and be quiet and don't have to give them candy to keep them quiet. Uh, Take cookies to church and have crackers all over, crumbs all over the floor to keep your children quiet. Mama didn't give us that. I said, no, I promised myself today I'm going to stay on task and not go off because I'm trying trying to put myself in a time frame of preaching. But you know, you think about these things that didn't kill us. They didn't kill us. Uh, and when mama, when she would have a switch laying on the seat beside her. You know, you talk about hear parents, when they were singing in the choir, they'd give their children a look. And that child knew to straighten up. You know. But what happens in church is a product of what has happened in society. And how we bought into the things of society. Because we have lost the art of waiting. And many times we don't know how to teach it to our children. Because we are impatient. We communicate that to our children and they become impatient. And then we send them to school and teachers have all kinds of problems with them. Because of what they've learned at home. Or what they've not learned at home. I feel for our teachers. I pray for our teachers. Uh, We don't pay them enough money, and then we expect them to babysit our bad children and grandchildren. And then don't want them to be disciplined. Anyway, let me go back to to the message. I'm talking about waiting. That's for another day. You know, what we have to learn is that God does not operate according to our time frame. And God is sovereign. God is in control. And whether people want to recognize him or not, that does not change his position. He's still the sovereign God. He's still in control. Amen. So he does not operate according to our time frame, or our time schedule. He does not operate according to our plans or our desires. And when it comes to God, there is one valuable thing that we must learn. And that is we must learn to wait. We have to learn to wait. The words of the prophet Isaiah, amen, still ring true today. They that wait upon the Lord 
shall renew thy strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The promise of that verse, the promises of that verse of, 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 of strength being renewed, of, 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 of running and not being weary and walking and not fainting, all of those promises are tied to waiting. They're tied to waiting. The promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was tied to waiting. Now, Pentecost was going to happen. Holy Spirit was going to come. They're experiencing him. They're receiving the power dependent upon their waiting. Amen. Nothing was going to change what God was going to do in the world, but it would change what God was going to, what was, they were going to experience in their lives. And it's what you experience in your life that is most important. Because even though we are the body of Christ, we are made up of members, individuals in particular. Amen? And part of the problem that we have in the body of Christ is that each individual member doesn't understand and doesn't receive the things that each individual member needs to receive to make the body whole and complete and to do what the body is supposed to do. Amen? Amen. So, this is still true. There's an old saying. It says, good things come to those that wait. I'm not sure that, 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 that good things simply come because they wait. However, there is some important things that happen in you when you learn to wait. There are some important things that happen in you when you learn to wait. So this season, the season between the resurrection of Christ and the day of Pentecost is characterized by waiting. Can somebody say wait? So I must learn to wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know what happened on the day of Pentecost. However, we can't overlook the fact that the disciples, that all of them, and there were 120 in the upper room on that day. That were not just the 12, but there were 120 in the upper room on that day. Amen. We cannot overlook the fact that all of them had to wait, had to wait for that day to come. Glory to God, and were commanded to be in a particular place in order to receive the gift. Amen. That was a command of the Lord. Now, that's not saying for us today that we have to go to Jerusalem. No. That, that was for them. That was a particular command. The focus should be on the particular command. Tarry in Jerusalem. Stop going in and out of Jerusalem. Stop being distracted. Stop being out of focus. I told you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Amen. Yeah. They were instructed. They were instructed, they were commanded to stop going in and out of Jerusalem, but to stay there and wait for the promised gift. Jesus was very deliberate and very specific with his instruction. Stay in Jerusalem. That is where the outpouring is going to take place. Okay. Stop going in and out of Jerusalem. You are busy with unimportant things. You are at risk of being distracted. You need to focus on the most important thing, which is the promised gift that will be given on the day of Pentecost. Focus on that and stay there and wait. Well, Lord, I need to go see about my family. Stay there and wait. Now, think about some of the parables Jesus told. Lord, my mama died. I got to go bury my mama. Stay there and wait. Lord, my cows need to be fed. <laughs> Stay there and wait. Now, just reflect back on, on the parable Jesus told about this, these people that came to him and wanted to follow him. Oh, he called them. The, the man called him. And one said he had to do this, and one said he had to do that, and one said he had to do the other. You see, God's business the things that God instructs us to do are more important than anything else in the world. And we are prone to get sidetracked. We are prone to get distracted by the things that seem important to us. Wait, wait. 
Waiting is hard. Does anybody agree? Yeah. You've been working all day long and you got to come home and cook dinner and you're already hungry. And it's going to take you at least an hour and a half to cook dinner. Unless you're going to open a can. <laughs> Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. You, 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 you go and you apply for a job and, and you want to hear from the company and, and, and you hear nothing and, and you're getting impatient, you get anxious. Waiting is hard. If waiting is hard for us, I know waiting is hard for children. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. It's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. And it makes us face things about ourselves that we would rather not face. But if we let it, it stretches us beyond what we think our limits are. Learning to wait. Wait. Yeah. And in that place, we discover that there was a whole lot more to us than we ever knew. Waiting is important. Waiting challenges us. It challenges us to put our hope, to put meaning, to put purpose in the Lord, not in ourselves, not in that job, not in that career. Waiting challenges us to look to the Lord. For the, I guess I'm speaking to believers now. And for the unbeliever, it wants to focus us in on looking to the Lord. It puts perspective in our situation. It reminds us that we are not in control. Waiting. Yeah, yeah. Waiting forces us to stand on the promise that God has good in store for us. Waiting. Waiting. So let's just look at this a little bit more. There are four things I'm going to share with you about waiting, and then I'll be finished, okay? First thing is that when we learn to wait, it gives the body, it gives the mind, it gives the spirit rest and prepares us for fresh things, okay? Now, all of us know that we need rest. And many times that rest is not just physical rest. Many times it's mental rest. You need to let your mind rest. You need to let your spirit rest. The disciples had been through a lot of things. Now think about it. You know, sometimes we think that they're superhuman people, but they were men and women just like you and me, okay? They had been through a lot of emotional stress, and they were still under a lot of pressure, okay? Because they knew that the ones who had killed Jesus could possibly be looking for his followers, so they were fearful, okay? And one of the reasons that, 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 that they, were, they had this upper room, this, because they stayed away from, even though they were going in and out of Jerusalem, basically they stayed away from certain groups in society. All right? Now, when you look at this, and, and, and you look at the fact that Jesus is showing and has appeared to them, shown them that he is alive, strengthening their faith, amen, they were still, as I said, not superhuman beings. They were overjoyed at his resurrection, all right, um, uh, but it did not take away the trauma that they had already gone through, all right. Going through the trauma of Jesus, their Lord, their master being crucified, Going through the trauma of seeing him suffering and seeing him dying, even, there had not been enough time for them to overcome the emotional trauma that they had gone through. Their hopes and dreams had been dashed, okay? And even, now, I, I, I want you to notice this, and this lets you see that they had not fully overcome what they had gone through. Even here, <laughs> Uh, as Jesus tells them to stop going in and out of Jerusalem, <laughs> the next question that they ask is, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So they still haven't gotten it. Everything still is not totally clear to them. Let me tell you something. Trauma, trauma takes a toll on your body. 
It takes a toll on your mind. It takes a toll on your spirit. Trauma will cause you to look for ways to escape so that you can have some similitude of peace. For that way of escape then would be Jesus establishing the physical kingdom. That would let them know that their hopes and their dreams had not all been dashed. They were looking for a way. They had been traumatized. Yeah. They had been traumatized. We see that they had returned fishing. Jesus called them back from fishing because they had been traumatized. They were looking for a way. Part of the reason that Jesus showed himself to them after his resurrection was to help them overcome the trauma that they had been through because of his crucifixion. And he instructs them to stay in Jerusalem and wait, 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 sit down, wait, sit down, rest your mind, rest your spirit, rest your body, and wait. Why does God create the body so that it goes to sleep at a certain time? Because... You need to be rejuvenated. You need to rest. Not just your body, but your mind, but your spirit. What happens to you when you have terrible dreams at night? You wake up in the morning and you feel this pressure, this tension. You feel like you didn't sleep good at night because your mind and your spirit didn't rest. So wait, wait. You can't work three shifts and survive. You might start it out. You can't even work two shifts and survive. You may start out, but there needs to be this, this, this intermittent time where you rest. Body, mind, and spirit. Rest. Rest. Yeah. Waiting. Waiting gives the body, the mind, the spirit rest and prepares us for freshness. So Jesus telling them to go to Jerusalem and rest. This, 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 this 40 day period, uh, between, a uh, 50 day period, Pentecost is the 50. It, 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 between the, 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 the crucifixion and, 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 and Pentecost was a time of rejuvenation for the disciples. Well, not only that, but you know, as I looked at this, waiting helps us focus on our priorities. Yeah, yeah. The priority of these disciples was the, the ministry and their ability to carry it out. Okay? It was not whatever they were doing where they were going in and out of Jerusalem. Okay? Now you have a different focus. Your focus now is ministry. Your focus now is fulfilling the assignment that I've given to you, and you need my power in order to do that. So you need to get your priorities in order. As they waited, they had the time in that upper room while they were worshiping, praying, and seeking the Lord's face to focus on this priority and this priority alone. Waiting. Saints, is important because it forces us to focus on our priorities. It may not start out that way, but the longer you wait, the longer you sit there, the longer you, you begin to focus, think about it. The longer you pray about it, the Holy Spirit has a way of bringing your mind, your attention to what's most important. That's why we just can't jump up and do things. Because what we jump up and do may not be the most important thing. Wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. I got focus now. Because before I, before I knew what my priority was, then, then I, I, I couldn't run and not be weary. I would get weary in my running. Because I'm doing so many different things. I'm trying to run and text. I'm trying to run and read. They shall walk and not faint. Because waiting gets us to the place where we settle down and we focus in on 
What's most important? I was trying to make potato salad the other day. And as well as I know how to make potato salad, my mind wasn't on making potato salad. And, 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 and Bishop Doe called me and we started talking and I'm trying to make potato salad. And I said, I'm leaving something out. And I can't figure out what I'm leaving out. Then he began to go over the list of things that goes in potatoes, the way he makes potatoes. Oh, I said, oh, okay, okay. I said, the reason I forgot about it was that I was not focused. So you helped me get back focused again. But it took time to get there. Because I was doing this and I was doing that, and sometimes when I'm cooking, I'm trying to go fast and I'm preparing everything, you know, so that I can put it all together, you know, and it can work out real fast. Cooking takes time. Cooking takes focus. Ministry takes time. Life takes time. Living life to the fullest takes time and takes focus. How many of you started out in college? I remember when I started in college, I majored in political science. I made a 57 or 47 on my first test. I said, Lord, I know. This is not where I'm supposed to be. You know, life takes time and it takes focus. And we have to go through these processes so that we begin to focus on our priorities. It took them going in and out of Jerusalem and the Lord speaking to them and challenging them again to stop departing from Jerusalem. Focus on your priorities. So they had to wait. And while they were waiting, they began to focus on their priorities. It was in this waiting period that they had time to reflect on Jesus' teachings, on his instructions. As they sat there and they prayed and they worshiped. They put their minds back on the Lord. And then they began to focus on his teachings. It was in this waiting period that Peter rose and spoke the scriptures. Peter, the one who denied Jesus. The one who Jesus had to restore stood up and began to quote the scriptures, began to teach the scriptures. Peter arose to be the leader that he was supposed to be in that upper room. It was there that he spoke to them and talked about Judas and talked about Judas betraying Jesus and talked about his suicide and the fact that Judas's bishopric or his position needed to be filled and even gave them instructions as to how it would be filled. That's why when we get into when we get into apostolic ministry today and people taking titles, we just skip over the scripture. We skip totally over the scripture. That it had to be one who was with us from the beginning, who had seen Jesus physically as he went in and in and out among us. And we just skip totally over that. Most people just take the title apostle, they never seen Jesus. And never seen him. Have. Amen. I haven't seen Jesus with my natural eye. Amen. But I've experienced him in my life. He's revealed himself to me. You know, you don't just jump up and take a title just because you want a title. You need to wait. Somebody say wait. Yeah. It was in this waiting period that they realized that in all of this, God was working to fulfill his will and his good pleasure. That these things just didn't happen by chance. Wait and help them develop a focus on their priorities in life and ministry. Now along with, with, with giving us time to rest and, and be rejuvenated and giving us time to focus on the priorities of life and ministry, waiting also develops capacity and perseverance in us. Waiting develops capacity and perseverance in us. Capacity is the maximum amount that something that can contain or the amount that something can produce, okay? It is the ability, uh, it, is, it deals with the ability or the power to do, to experience or to understand something, amen? It's the capacity it is a capacity, uh, uh, excuse me, is it, capacity is the maximum amount that something can contain or the amount that something can produce. And capacity has to be developed in us. 
capacity had to be developed in these disciples. Okay. For these disciples, waiting was doing just that. They had to contain their desire to do their own thing. They had to bring it into control. They had to resist the urge to go in and out of Jerusalem. They had to focus on their fears as well as their assignment. They had to look within themselves at their own abilities and be able, if you will, to stand on their own two feet, as we said in natural terms. Okay. They had to be able to, to carry out this ministry, and this ministry is not carried out just in your head. It's carried out through the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Lord told them to wait, yes, it was to be clothed with the King James, we know the word, endued with power but to be clothed, to be filled, to be saturated with the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Lord knew, listen now, the Lord knew that that, that power without capacity, well, the Lord knew that power without capacity is a dangerous thing. Why do you say that? Whew, yeah. One has to be able to handle the power that they receive. You can overload an electrical circuit by doing what? Sending through much, too much power through it. A switch ever tripped at your house? And what happens when the switch trips? Everything goes off. And you wonder why the TV is not working, why the refrigerator is not working. And you do everything, you pull the plug and you stick it back into the wall and it still doesn't work. But something says go to the fuse box. It could be such that that it's so 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 it's something that you can't fix, and you have to call an electrician in. And you might be you sending too much power through that circuit. Saints of God, Lord Jesus, this blessed me. I don't know if it blessed you, but when when the Lord gave me this, it blessed me. The electrical circuit has to have the capacity to handle the electrical power coming through it. So Jesus' instructions to his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and wait, to stop running in, to stop running out, to focus, because he wasn't finished with them. The waiting period was to develop capacity in them so that they would be able to receive the power infusion that was going to come on the day of Pentecost. So they had to wait. If they had not waited, the power infusion would have overloaded. Something would have shut off. Something would have broken. Something would not have happened. So they waited there in the presence of the Lord. And in the presence of the Lord, they were worshiping. They were praying. They were meditating. They were reflecting. They were thinking. They were seeking God's face. And as they were doing this, capacity was being developed in them. Capacity to carry the power. Capacity to allow the power to live in them. Capacity to deal with the ministry. Capacity to deal with frustration. Capacity to deal with persecution. Capacity to deal with warfare. Capacity. Are you understanding? People give up because they don't have capacity. David was anointed king when he was a young boy. Capacity had to be developed in him before he arose to the throne. Today we're prophets overnight. Today we're wonders overnight. Today we're apostles overnight. We don't have the capacity to maintain. Waiting develops capacity. Capacity. Children become parents too young. They don't have the capacity to be parents. And sometimes we don't understand it. And so we, 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 we don't know how to deal with it. And we don't know how to talk to our children. And, and, and so we just, we just fall back on the thing. Well, everybody else did it, so it doesn't matter. But they don't have capacity. And so grandparents have to step in. 
Grandparents who are already tired. Grandparents who don't want to raise any more children. You may not say it, but you don't want to raise any more children. Thank God for grandparents and grandmothers and grandfathers. But they don't have the capacity because they haven't waited and they don't understand what they're doing when they're doing it. They don't. They don't have the capacity. The Lord wants us to develop capacity in life. And that's not the only thing, but in life, in ministry. You know, he wants us to develop capacity and it takes waiting. Oh, God, help us. I hope this is helping somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 we don't like to come to prayer. We don't like studying the Bible. We have other things to do. You know, we're always busy doing this and that and other, and we are neglecting what will develop capacity in us. Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house. And, and unless I read it, I always get these two mixed up in this thing. So, was it Mary that was doing the cooking? Martha was doing the cooking. Thank you. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Mary was busy because the Lord had come to dinner. And she wanted everything to be right. She wanted to make sure that that macaroni and cheese had the right amount of milk and cheese in it. She wanted to make sure that the apple pie had the right amount of flavor and the right amount of sugar. She wanted to make sure that those greens were just right. And that her cornbread was fluffy and tasted exactly right. So she was busy in the kitchen. But her sister was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Then she comes and starts complaining. Don't, don't you see me messing? Don't you see I'm doing all of this? And she's just sitting there. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. She said, he said, Martha is doing the important thing. She's sitting at my feet. Sitting at my feet. I look at our society today. And I see a society that's not, and I've heard Elder Hoskins say this so many times, we have no biblical foundation. But yet we want to run the church. Or yet we want to condemn the church and condemn saints. When we ourselves have no biblical foundation, no God consciousness, that's what you would say. So we're raising, a, in most part, a group of young people who have no God consciousness. And so they we're not developing a capacity in God so that we're able to face the issues of life. And so then when stuff starts happening, we don't know what to do. And we say, God, if you're God, why don't you do something about this? But there's no capacity. First of all, you left out the devil. You gave no consideration to the devil. It's just you and God. And what happened, happened between you and God. And so you blame God. There's no spiritual capacity. Because you didn't take time to do the important thing. We wonder how the church is going to make it. It's going to make it because Jesus said the gates of hell should not prevail against this church. But it may not make it as a mega church. <laughs> you know, it may not make it as three quarters of the world's population becoming Christians. Because straight is the gate. And narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that go in thereby. Few. God, I just want to be a part of that few. Let me tell you something. In all of your mistakes, and all of your faults, and all of your failure, you can still develop capacity in the Lord. Because of what God will do in you as you present yourself to him. But you can't walk away from the Lord. You can't keep going in and out of Jerusalem. Oh, you can't keep going in and out of God. You can't keep going in and out of the church. You got to sit down. 
You got to be taught. You got to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, you can't see Jesus physically, but the Lord has placed in the church, first of all, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, come and sit at my feet. Come and sit at the teacher's feet. So you can develop capacity. I should have preached a whole sermon on capacity. When I got to this point, I said, Lord, this is the whole sermon itself. Because this thing began to bless me and it began to show me what's happening in the world. People are rising up just like that plant. When Jonah was running from the Lord, or was it Jonah running from the Lord? The Lord, the plant rose up and then it just went. No, that was Elijah just rose up and with it. You got to have capacity because capacity pushes you over into perseverance. When you have capacity, you can persevere in the midst of warfare. When you have capacity, you can persevere in the midst of the attacks of the enemy. When you have capacity, you can persevere in the midst of sickness and capacity. When you have capacity, you can persevere when death comes your way and attacks your house, it'll hurt. You'll go through. You will be in the lion's den, but your capacity gives you the ability to persevere and see the Lord shut the lion's mouth. See the Lord take the heat out of the fire. Capacity takes you to perseverance. So the Lord says, wait. The Lord says, go to Jerusalem. Stop going in and out and wait. It may be difficult for you, but wait. It may be inconvenient for you, but wait. What is the Lord saying to you today? What does the Lord want to do in your life? Where's the Lord taking you? The good thing about the Lord is that when we come to our senses, think about the prodigal son. God is so wonderful. He is so wonderful. If you take the time and study the scripture, he'll speak to you. The prodigal son didn't want to wait. So he went to his daddy. Daddy, I'm ready to get out on my own. So give me my part of the inheritance. Just totally out of order. Just totally out of order because the older son was entitled to the, to the first part. This young man, and you know, all of us have been young and we've done foolish things. Anybody done foolish things? We've been young. And he went out and wasted all of his substance. Lord Jesus. All of his substance. All of his substance. That means he lost his integrity. He lost his name. He didn't just lose the money. You see, sometimes we think about the physical things. And we forget the, the, the mental, the emotional stuff that sin kills. Kills your integrity. Kills your self-esteem. You know, we think we're doing our own thing. We think we're living our own lives. We think we're having fun with people who don't really care about us. When you're up and you got money, yeah, you got friends. Especially if you're foolish enough to spend your money on them. You buy all the liquor. You buy all the beer. You buy all the reefer. You buy all the cocaine. Well, I'm telling the truth now. We, we move past liquor and beer these days. You buy it all, and you got friends. You're partying. You're having a good life. So you think. But you're losing your substance. He wasted it all on riotous living. It was so bad. Sometimes, saints, and I thank God, I've never been in that situation and I don't say that to look down on anybody. 
Because I don't know who in here may have been in that situation. You got relatives. I probably have relatives been in this situation. But just watching it on television, drug houses. People, women will give their bodies, sell their bodies for another fix. And they're laying around in drug houses and needles are laying all over the floor. So bad that he wanted to eat with the pigs. He sold himself to work on a hog farm and swine uh, unclean animals to any Jewish person. And among the swine, and this is just a spiritual picture, not to say that anybody who's strung out on drugs or who's out doing righteous living is like a pig. I'm not saying that, so don't take it that way. But see the picture. He sunk so low that he almost, he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. But he came to his senses. Oh, that we will come to our senses if we're out there. Come to our senses. And remember that in your father's house, even the servants have more to eat, have enough to eat and more. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll go back to my father. This was humble. This was humbling himself. Because a lot of times, you know, people, people are so caught up in pride that they can't say, I'm wrong. People are so caught up in pride that they can't say, I made the wrong decision. I'll go back to my father and I'll say, Daddy, I'm not even worthy to be your son. Just make me one of your hired servants. But the Lord, Shows us his love in that parable. He told his other son, who was at home but was away, <laughs> far away. He told his servants, kill the fatted calf. Bring a robe. Bring a ring. Put it on his finger. Put a robe on his shoulder. For my son, who is dead, is now alive. This boy had lost everything but his daddy was ready to receive him back. Now, how this ties into the message today is all spoken, speaking of the Lord telling us to wait. And when we don't learn to wait and the benefits of waiting, we go and do irrational things. We make bad decisions, bad choices. And sometimes we get ourselves in situations that are not good for us if we had only waited. But the good thing about the Lord that he's waiting. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on us to return to him and to repent. And he's not waiting with a stick. You know how, how we do our children sometimes. We got a belt waiting. We got a switch waiting. No. He's waiting with loving arms. Because that child, in his eyes, who was spiritually dead, is alive again. So this morning, I pray that this message has blessed your heart in some way, strengthened you. The benefits of waiting, waiting does something good in us. There are benefits in waiting. Young people, don't be in such a hurry. Learn from some of us who are older who made mistakes that we could, have made, could not have made if we had learned to wait. Wait. It'll give your body time to rest, your spirit, your mind, time to rest, to reflect, to think, to focus on the priorities of life. It will develop capacity in you. The ability to handle the power that God wants to send your way. Wait. 
We can't see tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Do you think the disciples, when they went to the temple at the hour of prayer, knew that they were going to meet that man who was begging for money? They didn't know it. But when they got there, they had the capacity to meet that man's need. In that capacity, they said, silver and gold, we don't have, we don't have any money to give you, but what we have. Oof. They didn't have Jesus in their hands. They didn't have the power in their hands. But he lived in them. What we have, we give to you. And in capacity, you develop the ability to persevere. Persevere. Anybody who's lived in the Lord 40, 50, 60 years, and you're still in the Lord, you've developed the ability to persevere. Life has not been easy. Sometimes you wonder, God, how can I make it? Holy Spirit doesn't say anything. He just gives you power. He just strengthens you. You remember that poem? I know I got to finish now, but you know me. Anyway, you remember that poem about walking on the beach? And you felt the Lord was what? The person wrote the poem. The Lord was what? He saw two sets of footprints. And all of a sudden, he only saw one. Such a beautiful picture of how the Lord works. And he said, Lord, where were you? When I was walking and, and all of a sudden, I only saw, I'm not saying it right, only one set of footprints. The Lord said, that was the time I was carrying you. So the footprints you saw that you thought were yours were my footprints. I was carrying you. So the Holy Spirit doesn't come and announce, Steve, I'm getting ready to pick you up and carry you. He just comes along, carry you. Holy Spirit doesn't come and say, Catherine, I'm getting ready to carry you. He just comes along, carries you through. Because you're developing capacity to persevere. You don't persevere in your own strength. You persevere in his strength. You persevere in his strength. He's carrying you. He's carrying you. And, and, and when you've developed capacity, he doesn't wait until you get all strong and powerful again to use you. In the midst of carrying you, he uses you for his glory. That's why you got to learn to wait on him. Amen. Let's stand. Glory to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for your word and the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you empty or void. It accomplishes all that you desire. You prosper your word and the things you sent your word to. Thank you, Father. Thank you now. Thank you, Father. Father, for those who've heard this word today, thank you for strengthening us and blessing us. For that person who needs to recommit themselves to you. For that person, whether in the presence or online, who needs to make that decision for you today, I pray for them that they will hear and that they will yield to you. I bind the hand of the enemy. I bind any hindering spirit right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Loose the spirit of freedom in that person's life in the name of Jesus. That they are now free to make that decision, to make that step of faith. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So if there is someone today, if there's someone today that the Lord has ministered to and spoken to you, and you need to rededicate, you need to give your life to Jesus, or you need to rededicate your life. To Christ we want you to come if you're watching us online put a note we, people are watching people are following us online uh, and we will see the note if you make a decision for Christ today we're going to lead you through a prayer of confession in just a moment uh, but write to us and let us know so we can follow up with you you don't have to be present in the sanctuary 
to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Wherever you are, if you're riding in your car right now, you don't even have to pull over to the side of the road. All you got to do is pray the prayer of faith. Receive Christ Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. Or recommitted yourself to the Lord. The Bible says if we confess our sins, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Remember the prodigal son, the father who is waiting on him. God is waiting on you. So if you are unsaved today, pray this prayer with me. If you want to be saved, if it's your will to receive Jesus and give your life to him, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You satisfied God's law on my behalf. The law that says a soul that sins shall surely die. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you shed your blood and your sacrifice is accredited to me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Save me from my sin. I yield my life to you now. Lord, thank you for saving me. Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.